Welcome to the original and the best Power Hour with Alex Burr and Dylan Hughes, members and podcasts. And welcome to another edition of the Alex and Dylan Basketball Power Hour. I'm once again joined by my co-host Dylan Hughes. Dylan, in the tradition. I don't even know this is a curveball. You'd probably honestly expect this after the weekend your team just had. But, Dylan Hughes, your team took down another top two top five teams in one season. Dylan Hughes, how are you feeling about your Purdue spoiler makers? I'm feeling so good, man. And they play number six Ohio State, okay? If they can knock off three top six teams in the same calendar year and two back-to-back, man, it would feel so good. Because, honestly, the Iowa win was enough for me. Because I have low expectations for Purdue football. I, you know, if they can get one nice upset per year, that's great. To get two and maybe three really exciting. I mean, they're pretty much locked in for a bowl game now. I'm, I'm, I'm guessing it's going to be like the little Caesars bowl. It just seems like they've, they end up in that kind of bowl a lot, um, which is fine. You know, that's, that's fine. But David Bell. Okay. David Bell. I'm going to stake my career on this. I'm going to stake my life. That's a little much. no, it's not okay. This this bet is going to return heavily for me. David Bell is going to be a. I'm just, I'll to be safe because I am staking a lot here. He's going to be a top ten NFL receiver at some point. Wow, he is unbelievable. He has unbelievable hands. He is an unbelievable route runner. He like I don't think he's the quickest, but like. I mean, he's just so good. And, you know, Rondell Moore got a lot of hype, obviously, because he, I think it was 2018, he had like 1,200 yards receiving. Like, he was so good. And, you know, he's kind of showing this year in the NFL, like, why it's worth all that hype. But I think David Bell as an actual receiver is probably better. And I I just really think he's going to be really good in the NFL. I'm interested to see if he comes out this year because some people make it seem because he's only a junior. Some people think he'll stay. And obviously, as a Purdue fan, I would love that. But I, I really do want to see him in the NFL because I think he is going to be something special. I mean, he has a thousand yards in eight games. <laughs> a thousand yards in eight games. That is really hard to do, especially in college. Um, Purdue is really spoiled this year. Like between Jaden Ivey, Rondale Moore, and now David Bell. I mean, Dylan Hughes, you guys got a made in West Lafayette right now, even though you are not, you're not here West Lafayette right now, but you guys got it made. Yeah. And I, the basketball season starts tonight. Um, and I, they're ranked like six or seven. Um, so, I mean, last year, like I didn't have high expectations for them going into the tournament because they were young. Like, I think 60% of the roster was like freshmen. Like it was insane how young they were. And yet 
they, you know, made the tournament. I think was it the first or second round? They they lost to North Texas. I remember. Um, fun a fun North Texas team. So I wasn't too upset about that. But I mean, it was it was a fun year because there was there was low expectations, and this year now the expectations are on. You got Jaden Ivey, pretty much a lock to be a lotto pick now. A bunch of other really good young players, some good recruits coming in. And Matt Matt Painter just gets it done every year. So, like, I'm excited. I'm not going to get my expectations too high because I've learned my lesson on that with sports. <laughs> but I'm I'm hopeful. So, I, I will say I watched, as you know, famously, I watched the uh, U19 championship games against France. And Jaden Ivey, electric. I have not a shadow of a doubt in my mind. He is going to be a top 10 pick this year. Um, if not that, definitely a lottery pick. Um, so Dylan, your future is looking bright, but a team whose future is not looking so bright at this particular moment in time. We got to cover two injuries and I think there's no other real place to start other than Colin Sexton. Um, he has some kind of injury on his meniscus. It sounds like it's torn. We don't really know the extent of it and we don't really know how long he's going to be out, but we do know that there is some problems with Colin Sexton's meniscus. He didn't really get, he hasn't really gotten off to the best start in 2022. Just like they've added so many pieces, but so far he's averaging, you know, 16 and two assists, three rebounds on 45, 24, um, 74 shooting splits, which is down significantly from last year, all of them. But Dylan, I mean, you figured Sexton was going to hit his groove at some point, and this is kind of just a, a sad loss for the Cavs. Yeah, a Cavs team that's been playing really well. And, you know, I sadly have yet to watch them yet, but I'm excited to. And, you know, I may have to go back and watch some of the Sexton games because now uh, don't have a chance probably for the season, but we'll see. Like there's some weird stuff with meniscus where they can come back and I don't know. Like I, they haven't really said anything yet. So we'll have to see. It's early enough in the season where you hope maybe, you know, cause I, I think with some meniscus tears, like the surgery is where the, the problem is. Like if you have a surgery on something, that's when you have to miss the season. But if, if it's something that they think could like naturally kind of heal itself, like a broken bone, for example, I don't think, you know, um, ligaments really are the same as bones, but I don't know. There's no reason for me to speculate on doctor stuff right now, but I mean, from the Cavs perspective, yeah, like it's, it sucks. And I, I don't know if they actually want to be good this year. I mean, they've kind of just gotten so much talent now, or that's just kind of happening, but you know, I'm I'm worried for him personally because it's a contract year. The Cavs don't really want to pay him anyway. I mean, there's been speculations since last year that they were going to trade him. And now, like, it's, it's going to be interesting to see what happens because, I mean, if the Cavs don't want to pay him, like, does he end up taking a short deal and, you know, hopes that he can uh, – like, I think, wasn't it Julius Randle – that took like a two year, $20 million deal with the Pelicans. And then it was kind of like a bet on yourself situation where he's like, you know what? I'm going to take a nice little pay raise for a couple years. I'm going to work myself into a better deal and look at that. 
I mean, he got cashed out this past summer. So maybe something like that happens for a section. Maybe he takes a little bit of a discount and ends up just dealing with it. But I don't know. It's It sucks for him and it sucks for the Cavs right now. But that's sports. It's sports. Um, you know, this will give Garland a bigger role. So I think I'll be curious to see what will happen once he has a bigger role. Um, Acorio will play his natural position, the two. So I'll be curious to see what happens there. And maybe they find him expendable that way. Maybe they find success with Garland as the sole ball handler with Mobley. And they were like um, Larry Market and Kevin Lover in the health and safety protocols, which for future reference, I will be calling the HSPs because I just like saying HSPs. But Larry and a Lover in the HSPs. And but at the beginning of the season, they were starting like they were doing Garland, Sexton, Marketing. Mobley and Allen and that lineup was having a whole lot of success. So I'll be curious to see what it'll be like once you take one of your main shot creators out of there and replace him with a Coro who is definitely not a shot creator, but we'll, we'll see on that front. Um, and the other injury we got to discuss, we don't have to dwell on this one just because that the wording on this was kind of vague too. Michael Porter jr. Is going to be out indefinitely. Um, he pulled up kind of lame on a layup. And I think we all like, we're joking like, haha, like, you know, he's playing the injured card, but <laughs> apparently that's a real, like it's a real injury that it's going to make him miss a lot of time. And Dylan, the main concern with Porter jr. Was always just, you know, the fragile health. And he really, he hasn't gotten off to a great, like, Garland was not doing great to start the season, but Porter Jr. took a major step back from this year so far. He isn't even at 10 points a game. He's shooting 35-21-55. Um, That's a shooting splits, and he's only getting to the foul line like one time a game, so that means he's had nine free throw attempts. But, Dylan, I think that Jokic is going to have to play like an MVP again, and he might miss a couple of games too because he might get suspended. There's no been no word on that, but we're recording this on Tuesday night. And if you follow the NBA at all, the odds are you know know that Jokic shoved the shit out of Markeith Morris yesterday, and the odds are is he'll get suspended for a game or two. But Dylan, I mean, Jokic might have to do like an even more extreme version of what he had to do last year after Murray got hurt. Yeah, that's that's the problem with this team right now is that Murray's out still. So having to deal with MPJ being out, it's thin, man. And I mean, I don't know when Murray's supposed to come back, um, but hopefully sooner rather than later because MPJ, I mean, yeah, like he hasn't been great to start this season. So I guess this season, it doesn't feel like maybe they're missing so much, but I feel like his gravity is, I mean, that's gravity is something you can't really track in stats. And I mean, he's a dead eye shooter, like not all the time, obviously, but at times and like defenses know that he's a great offensive rebounder. And those are just traits that you're going to miss. And I am interested to see Aaron Gordon having to step up. I think Aaron Gordon in the regular season, at least I think could be a much better player than he has in Denver, like at least on offense, because I mean, he's like a fourth option when they're healthy. Right. And there's only so much a fourth option can do. So I'd be interested to see him. Cause like we've, we've seen Aaron Gordon have really good games, really good seasons. I mean, there was times in Orlando when he was the number one and did they win a lot of games? Maybe not so much, but 
I mean, he can put up numbers like if he gets the chance. So I'm interested to see that their depth has been something I've been kind of interesting to watch this season. So now it's going to be tested even more. We're going to get to see the uh, young draft pick, um, Bones Highland. We're going to get to see if he has anything, you know, if he's worth something. Yeah, he's obviously worth something as a person. That's poor phrasing on my part, but um, (laughs) he we're going to see if he's, you know, worth his salt as a basketball player. Like he came in very hyped as a scorer, um, one of the best scorers in the country in college last year. Um, If he can step in and fill that role, then that'll be exactly what they need. But I wouldn't be surprised if the Nuggets roll off like a couple game losing streak in the next couple of games, because (laughs) especially if Jokic gets suspended, like for more than a game, they might just go like oh and three (laughs) or something. We'll, we'll see, but anything else to add about the Nuggets still in before we move on to our teams for the week? No, sir. So our, our new teams are the wheel. So Dylan and I came to the conclusion that we're going to keep the Raptors for this week after skipping them last week because Pascal Siakam came back and Scotty Barnes also came back. So we're only going to spin for our teams on the good wheel. So I need to replace the Pelicans real quick because they, it didn't save. So they're still on our good wheel. Who did I, I replaced them with, let's just replace them with the wolves. So Dylan, who are you looking forward to getting on this week's spins. Well, the team we talked about a little bit in the pre-show, the Washington Wizards. I mean, I am itching to watch this team more, man. They are good. And so, I, I'm really excited to see them at some point. So we didn't get the Wizards on our first spin. We did get one of the teams of the Power Hour, though. Is the Charlotte Hornets. Ooh. Ooh are actually on a little bit of a tail slide right now. They've lost their last couple of games. So Hornets and Raptors, that's the start of a good week. Let me go ahead and uncheck the Hornets real quick. So that way we don't get them again. And I'm kind of hoping for this spin. I'm kind of hoping we get like, not the Knicks. We do need a West team to help balance it out. But we got, we did not get a West team. We got the Brooklyn Nets. Oh, okay. So... Real interesting week on our end. So we got the Raptors, the Nets, and the Hornets. So I this is a pretty interesting week, I would say, for all three of those teams. Um, just in part because of the, like, we're going to see Harden. You know, maybe he'll struggle. Maybe he won't. Um, I think we're going to get another Bulls game because the Nets are playing. The, oh, wait, no, wait. No, that was technically yesterday. So we're not going to get another Bulls game. We've watched a lot of Bulls last week. <laughs> but... Um, yeah, it's been a blast, but it's just been a lot of bulls to take in. So um, our teams for this week are the Raptors, Nets, and the Hornets. So, Dylan, um, I think this for this week, we should probably start with a guy who has entered the HSPs in Joel Embiid. Do you think it's fair if we start with the Sixers? Yes. So the Sixers had themselves a week. Um, so our week this week, so we're recording this on Tuesday. So we were going from last... The Tuesday, the second till Monday, the eighth is basically our span of games. So they came into the week. They'd won their previous three games and then they won another three games. They won against the Bulls on Wednesday, 103 to 98. They beat the Pistons the next day at Detroit, 109 to 98. They then beat the Bulls in Chicago, 114 to 105. And then yesterday, after Embiid entered the HSPs, but apparently he was going to take a 
a rest day anyway. They lost this to the Knicks 103 to 96. Um, so I think we should start with Embiid because like we said, or so we didn't talk about this on the pod. We talked about it before. If you don't test, have two positive tests within 24 hours, you have to miss at least 10 days in the health and safety protocols. So Embiid's probably not going to be back until Thursday, November 18th at the very earliest against the Nuggets. And the odds are he won't be back by then. Tobias Harris and Isaiah Joe and Matisse Thybul are also <laughs> in the health and safety protocols. Um, the Sixers are eight and three. I forgot to say they're currently first in the East. I mean, Dylan, I think the the Sixers might go in a little tail slide, the tailspin here and just... I think they might go on like a little losing streak just based on the amount of talent they have on the health and safety protocols. Yeah. And I mean, Tobias Harris and Danny Green have missed some time too lately. And Danny Green, I know came back Tobias Harris. I think is still out, but I mean, yeah, it's, it's been a, it's been a tough start for them. I mean, record wise, they're doing great. They're the best team in the East, but it's, it's definitely hitting them all at once. I guess it's better to have it this happen now than later. Not that not to say that it can't happen later too, but you know you hope that it's kind of just their turn right now. but I, I don't know what to think of this team because so obviously Simmons is out, right? And there's sometimes where I watch this team and I'm like, man, if you just put, like whatever two guys you end up getting from a Simmons trade on this team, like you're in a really good spot because they're doing fine without Simmons. But as we're going to see with Embiid out, this, this team outside of Embiid is just not great. And Tobias Harris missing this week, you know, was tough because he's a guy you can plug in and, and he's going to get buckets, but like looking at the stat line from last night's Knicks game, I mean, aside from Westbrook, Andre Drummond has to be the second most like just useless stat filler like of any player in the league. I mean, he had 25 rebounds last night. Like it's just, I just love when he's, we saw this in Detroit. We saw it in Cleveland. Like he'll he could average fifty rebounds a game and the team will be under five hundred still. Like it just doesn't matter. Uh, but I mean, we're we're really going to see who they really are with with Embiid out because okay, I like Tyrese Maxey. I like him. I think he's he's a good like. I don't think he. I'm not going to say he's a good passer. I think he's good at getting to ball, the ball to the guys that need the ball. He's good at getting, like, I don't think he's good as good about creating passes as just seeing passes, which is fine. Like, I don't, like, he's not, like, he's not a guy that we're going to talk about later, Josh Giddy. He's not Luca or Trey. Like, he's not, he's not seeing unbelievable passes like Simmons can't, for example. Like, he's not creating offense with his passing. He's getting the ball to the open guy, which is fine. Like, it's good enough, but – and he's a good scorer. It's it's just – it's going to get exposed at some point, I think. And the fact that they really have no other options, I think, long-term isn't, isn't great for them. 
And we're going to see again with Embiid out, he's going to get a lot more looks last night, uh, six of 19, you know, like I think he's really good when he's just kind of included almost when he's out there and he's just kind of filling his role and that's it. But I mean, he's the guy that I, I like, but I'm not, I don't want to rely on like who, who on this team can you rely on outside of Embiid? Like Seth Curry, I think has kind of become that guy. I really like Seth Curry. Um, but if Seth Curry is like your second most reliable player, you're not in a good place. And that's what we saw last year in the playoffs against Atlanta. Like Atlanta just outclassed them because they just had way more talent on the floor. And I feel like it's the same thing with Philly right now. And like, they have a bunch of guys I like, but they don't have a bunch of guys I love. And that's kind of their problem because I mean, I think Embiid, like Embiid is good enough to get you out of the first round, but if you don't have anything else next to him, I don't know. And I mean, we're obviously way far away from that. But, like, this Philly team is a team that has been trying to compete for years, and it just has been the same story over and over. So I feel like it, right now is as good a time as ever to start kind of thinking about the long, longer-term prospects of this roster. Yeah. I mean, Seth Curry turning into his brother – well, not his brother, because his brother last night had 50. But, like, his brother circle, like, 2009, you know, is promising. Um. I mean, you're right. There's just not much talent on this roster. Like, there's a lot of great role players on this roster, right? Like, George Niang is way better than he was in Utah, which defies imagination because I thought he maxed out in Utah. He didn't. He was, he's was. he been really good in Philly so far. He's making 38% of his threes on six attempts. Um, Seth Curry is making five of it. He's making 48% of his threes on five attempts a game. I, I just think that... Listen, this is, we're not trying to talk Ben Simmons, right? Like during these pods, we're not trying to talk trade speculation, but I bet they're kicking themselves, not taking like a Malcolm Brogdon and Karis LeVert kind of deal or whatever, like Indiana offered. Like, we don't know what they actually offered, what they didn't offer, but yeah, if they had those guys plugged in instead of, you know, not having Ben Simmons on the team, it would be a lot better if they just got CJ McCollum, which... There's an investigation going on in Portland and CJ McCollum might soon be available. Um, we'll see if Neil Olshay is not around for much longer, but there's just not a whole lot of shot creators on this roster. Like Shake Milton's, you know, for lack of a better word and apologies for the terrible pun here, which will be the only time I do that, but he's just shaky, right? Like he's not that great. Like as a shot creator, um, Maxi is fine. But Maxi isn't what you want. You need someone. And Tobias isn't this guy either. We've seen this over and over again in the playoffs. Like, he's better off as your third option. and Or a two, right? Like a 2B in this op- in this offense where he's just not like the main, the secondary main creator. But I think that this team is, we've talked about it in the last playoffs when we had them, we basically had their whole playoff run on the power hour. It's a fatally flawed team, basically. And yeah, Danny Green came back and played last night. Um, and he's a great role player. But this team just, they're missing that creation that Simmons provides. Let's just be real. Like Simmons, if they had Simmons right now, they'd be completely fine. Like he probably, odds are he's unvaccinated. So odds are he'd probably be in the health and safety protocols too. But 
I think that the way he plays, like it would just lift this team and make Seth Curry better and make Danny Green better. I'd honestly like to see this addition of the team with Ben Simmons, like just being honest. Like I think he could, they could win some games, but without Embiid and without Tobias, they're going to probably go like, so let's check their next couple of games. So they're playing the Bucks actually in about 10 minutes, <laughs> which knowing TNT, the game's probably going to tip off at like 748, but that's neither here nor there. Um, they're going to lose that game because the Bucks need it bad. And the Sixers just don't have the talent. They're playing the Raptors on Thursday, which we'll watch probably. They're probably going to lose that one. They're at Indiana, who needs it bad. They're probably going to win that one. And then they're at Utah, which is a definite loss. Like the other ones are kind of shaky, but that's a definite loss without Embiid. Like they're going to get crushed. And then at Denver, they really need Embiid back because at Denver, at Portland, at Sacramento, at Golden State, there's a real chance they go on that road trip starting at Indiana going West that they go 0 and six <laughs> and you can't like now's the part of the season where you start to either fall behind in the standings or you start to lose your season a little bit. And I think that Billy, they really need to be back fast. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's going to get out of control without Embiid and like, this may be a good thing for them because this may really show Daryl Morey that like, he's got to do something. <laughs> he's got to do something with Simmons because this team without Embiid is a disaster. And like, you can take the best player off any team and they're going to get worse. But like, look at the Lakers, for example, like the Lakers haven't really had LeBron lately. And yeah, they've lost some games they should shouldn't have lost, but they've also like not completely tanked. I mean, they're they're fine without LeBron. And like long term, do you want that? No. But I think this Sixers team is built. I mean, obviously, it's not built completely around Embiid because Ben Simmons is supposed to be a part of this puzzle too. But I mean, this is a team that kind of plays off of Embiid. It's just a bunch of good shooters. You got some good passers and some kind of clean up the garbage type of guys like Danny Green, like the guys that just do all the dirty work. And that works when you have Embiid in. But when Embiid's not out there, it's Andre Drummond pushing teammates over to get rebounds, you know. And as we've seen, that's not a good recipe of success for winning. So, I mean, it's – like, in the short term, it's going to suck. I actually think in the long term, it's going to be good for this team because Maury has just been sitting on his hands with Simmons. And I just – it's not working. It's I, I don't think it's helping. Like, the argument for holding on to players for a longer period of time is that the offers are going to get better. I don't think the offers are going to get better. Like, I, I really don't understand how there can be a, a huge market for Ben Simmons. I just don't see it. So I don't understand what Maury is doing, um, but he, he's got to do something because this team with with just Embiid is not good enough. And yeah, I think that they probably are title, title contenders if they add someone, just anyone to the mix who can create their own shot. Like, And that's like probably the bare minimum of what you could get for Simmons at this point. But And CJ McCollum's probably shooting for the moon. 
at this point for Ben Simmons. Like, I, I don't know what it would take to get their prospects are pretty dry on this team as well. Like there's not a whole lot of just like young guys that other teams are like, yeah, give me that guy. Like maybe Jaden Springer, but you know, he's was like the 28th pick. He hasn't really shown much. Thibel's 24 already. He's going to be turning 25 in March. Like that's not like a young prospect. Um, nobody wants Corkmaz, <laughs> who is surprisingly only 24. I feel like Corkmaz has been in the league for more than four years. I would I would guess he was like 27. Yeah, I would have too. I would have too. But Corkmaz hasn't gotten better since he's been in the league. Um, Niang is Niang, right? Like, God bless him. He's a decent player, but he's not anyone's idea of like superstar. Seth Curry is a, like invaluable part of this team. And Danny Green is, he's 34. And at a certain point, the Danny Green thing is going to stop working. <laughs> like, it just, it can't keep going on forever and ever. So, and Shake Milton's 25. Like, th- there's just not a whole lot of young players on this team. And I think it's going to come back and screw them because you didn't, they didn't do a good job of developing when, like, Maury's te- Houston teams didn't really develop a whole lot of young prospects other than Capella. And maybe I'll give him Chandler Parsons too. Like after Harden got there, but that's because they didn't need to. That's because they had a title contending player on their roster. And we've seen MB just isn't in shape enough to make it all the way to the finals. That's just the way his body is. It just isn't plausible. So I don't know. Like they have a bunch of nice players, you know, but nice players don't push you over the edge. And I think that that's, it obviously hurts when you have a $33 million player <laughs> just sitting on the sidelines, right? Like that's not preferable for you. And they want him back. They want him to come back and play. I'm not going to get into the discussion of whether or not Ben Simmons' mental health struggles are real, because that's not a conversation. Frankly, I don't think either of us are equipped to have because we don't know Ben Simmons, but I think that just like, that's why Daryl wants him back so bad is because he can have him play, right? Like, so he can try to boost his trade value, but I don't know what general manager would look at what Ben did in last year's playoffs and be like, huh, you know, are we sure that if I get him in my system that he wouldn't do that exact same thing again? So I know I said we weren't going to talk Ben Simmons, but there's not much else to talk about with this team right now. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, that's, that's one of the tough things about these good teams is that we have to kind of get nitpicky. And, I mean, you know, we, we know a lot about these players already. Like, we know what Cork Moggs is. We know what Shake Milton is. And it's just been the same story with the Sixers for years now where we have high expectations and then they lose in the second round. And right now, I think losing the second round would be a pretty good season for them, all things considered. So, I mean, yeah, it's 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 like the big lingering question over this entire season, I think. Um, I guess outside of Ky- uh, Kyrie's situation. But I think where what happens with Ben Simmons is huge. And, you know, what's funny is like one of the teams that made the most sense to us was the Kings – but I think the Kings, like, there's no way they trade for Ben Simmons now. Because the argument for that trade was the Kings have, like, this is almost their last, not to say their last hurrah, because they're really young, but this is like, 
this would be a good opportunity to like try to make a good playoff run and getting Ben Simmons probably helps to do that. But right now they're doing a pretty good job with the players they have. So I don't think they're going to mess that up by trading Harrison Barnes and a, one of the young guards. Like I, I think that would be uh, maybe catastrophic is a little bit of overreaction, but I don't think it would, I think it would completely mess up everything they're doing right now. So you look around the landscape of the league is like, who wants this guy? And I mean, I think that's, this is as a, uh, this is a result of Maury sitting on his hands too long. And yeah, I mean, the mental health thing, obviously we don't know, like very well could be PR, but that's not really our place to discuss that. But from a, from the perspective of a GM, they may see that and they may think it's, it's BS or they may think, Oh, well, this guy has mental health issues and he, you know, doesn't show up in the playoffs. Like those are not, those are two characteristics. We don't want to trade a bunch of good young players for. So I just, I don't know. It's, I don't think this strategy for Maury's working out and it's hurting the team as a result. Agreed. Um, I think that's enough Simmons talk for now. Cause I feel like any players catch your eye or do we, I think we've discussed most of them. Um, but anything else about the Sixers catch your eye before we move on? Cause I feel like there's not a whole lot to talk about with them. Yeah. I mean, I was interested in watching Maxi. And yeah, I mean, I like, I think he's a good player. Like, I think he's fine, but I think he, he'd be much better as a backup. I think in this role, like he looks, he looks okay. Like he's really quick. I think he would be better off of someone else and that someone else should not be Seth Curry. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you know, in an ideal world, I think him and Simmons would actually play really well together um, or someone like Simmons, but you know, he's having to be the lead guy. And again, it's working fine. I just, I don't think long-term that's a great option. So, you know, as you said, there's not a ton of young talent. I mean, Paul Reed kind of jumped off the page a little bit, like, and he's averaging like three points a game. So that kind of says where the Sixers are right now. So I know I last, my last thing on the Sixers, I know I said that I don't see a way where the Sixers win a whole lot of games without Embiid. But this is where Doc Rivers has historically been the best, right? He is not a great, like, coach with great talent, right? Like, they barely won the 2008 championship with three superstars in their prime, right? Like, three Hall of Famers in their prime and a young, like, borderline Hall of Famer who will probably end up making the Hall of Fame because of his association with that team in Rondo. But in 2018... Remember that team or 2018-19 with that team with Shea Gilgis Alexander, Gallinari, the team that had Tobias Harris in the first half. That team won 48 games and took two games off the Warriors in the playoffs. And that team was probably more talented than this team. But Dad Gummit Doc is a good coach at getting the most out of like guys that aren't that good. So I wouldn't be surprised, like, aren't that good in like the relative sense, obviously. I wouldn't be surprised that they like leave this trip, like the six-game road trip, like two and four, and then they win one of the two games against the Bucks or the the Raptors. Like, I just, I'm not going to doubt Doc. I think he's too good of a coach, but I think that's all we got for the Sixers for now. Would you like to do the Thunder or the Bucks next, Dylan? Let's do the Bucks because I, I want to save the best for last. I should have figured this was the way you were going to want to go. So the Bucks this week, um, 
they are four and six, good for 10th in the Eastern Conference. This week, they played the Detroit Pistons and blew them out 117 to 89. I did not watch that game. They lost to the Knicks 113 to 98. And then they lost to the Wizards 101 to 94. So, Dylan, what are your uh, grand initial takeaways from the Milwaukee Bucks? I mean, we picked a bad week, I think, because. Without Middleton, man, their offense is really tough to watch. Like, looking at some of the the scores here, so they've lost five of six. The, the first two or the first three losses, they scored 93 and 95. They put up 117 on Detroit. And then the, the Knicks and Wizards, 98-94. So – their shot creation it has just been really bad without Middleton. And this is like for any Middleton haters, I think this is a good time to watch the Bucks and realize how important he is because their offense really struggles without him. And like Giannis is, he's doing great. Like he's doing Giannis things, but I mean, just like watching the wizards game yesterday, I mean, Grayson Allen was like the second best player on the, on the floor for the Bucks, And Grayson Allen has like had a good start to the season. I'm happy that he's getting involved a lot. But again, it's kind of going off that Sixers discussion with Seth Curry. It's like if Grayson Allen is your second best player, you're fucked. <laughs> and, you know, Drew Holiday obviously has been good too. But Drew Holiday is much better as like a – I would say a third option on offense. I think that's why their team worked so well last year was that Middleton and Giannis ran the show and then Drew kind of set them up and he would add points here and there. And at times you could say Drew is actually hurting them offensively with all his missed left-handed layups that he, for some reason, felt like taking in the finals. But yeah, it's just it's been it's been kind of tough to watch their offense. One thing I've noticed about Giannis, like I don't think the numbers really would suggest this, but just for my eye eye test, I feel like he just looks different, like in a good way. Like he looks like he's since he won the finals, he's kind of like shed all doubt of what he can be. Because I think in the past, like oh, the Celtics, they figured out how to stop Giannis. Like, oh, Giannis can't shoot. If he can't shoot, he's never going to be a good player. And, hey, I think we got to give ourselves some credit here that I really think just putting him in pick and roll more and getting him down low has really changed their offense overall in his game as well. Because, obviously – He's doing a lot of ball handling. He's still getting to the rim at will. I mean, we saw him in person. Like, some of the buckets he gets are just unbelievable. Like, he'll beat two guys down the floor and just get a a layup that maybe 10 humans on earth could make. I mean, it is just insane to watch him. But I still think that, you know, you play the Shaq role where you just put him down low, he's going to beast guys. And just watching him, he just looks – like he he thinks he's the best player in the league. And I think I mean he's kind of talked about this openly that he doesn't really have an ego um like a lot of athletes do. And I think that's been good for him. 
because a lot of athletes get tied into their ego and they don't think they have to improve. But Giannis has been the opposite where he's like, I'm just a, a basketball player out here. Like I'm going to try to get better every, every day, every year. And obviously we've seen that. And I just, I feel like he looks, he just looks like he has the confidence of the best player in the world. And I mean, coming off that finals run, I don't see why he won it. I don't see why he wouldn't either. Um, you brought up like he doesn't need to shoot the jumper, but boy, is his jumper way better. So yeah. um, on basketball reference, I have his percentage from 16 feet to the three point line as 47 <laughs> percent, which blows his career high out of the water. His previous career high was 41 percent. And that year he was only taking 6% of his shots from there. This year, he's taking 10% of his shots from 16 to three point line. And he's taking 10% of his shot from 10 to 16 feet. He's basically become, he's not Dirk, right? And he never will be Dirk, but I mean, if he can be like a little worse than KG from mid range, then you're doing pretty well for yourself as Giannis, who is unstoppable at the rim. He is currently shooting 77% at the rim, according to basketball reference. (laughs) So he's basically unstoppable. And that's a really good sign for the the Bucs going forward because I don't think there's anyone in the league that can stop him, right? But the problem is is he's being overextended on both sides. His defense... And I'm not blaming him for this because it's not his fault. His defense has just been atrocious to start the year, but that's because he doesn't have Brooke Lopez on that side to cover for his mistakes. And he doesn't have Middleton on offense to help cover for his mistakes on that side. So he's carrying an, a massive load right now. And I'm not surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if Middleton and Holiday only play 60 games this year because they put that extra mileage on themselves playing in the Olympics. Like, I think that's a really underrated factor for theirs and probably the Sun season two, seeing as Devin Booker went and played in the Olympics too. Booker's been off to a great start from what I can tell. I haven't been following the Sun super closely, but Giannis is the only guy who didn't play in the Olympics out of the out of their big three. Dante still isn't back. <laughs> and so they're I think they're gonna be fine. But if something happens, like they're not deep enough, right? And this is what happens when you build a team like this. They're really top heavy. And if their guys aren't healthy, then they're not going to win the finals because that's just how like the Nets, if it's just Middleton and Giannis with no Lopez and no holiday versus Katie and Harden, I'm sorry, give me Katie and Harden. Like just based on what I know about NBA basketball, give me the better player. And we both think Katie's the best player in the world. So Again, it's too early to be talking about this big picture stuff. <laughs> per se, we're only 11 games into the season. but Or I think the Bucks are only 10 games. But we just... It's going to be tough for them going forward if they're not healthy. I, I do just want to shout out Grayson Allen real quick. <laughs> this man is nuclear right now. He's at 40% from three on eight attempts a game. It doesn't feel like he misses if he's wide open. And... He's playing great. Um, I understand why the Grizzlies traded him because they were going through they were going through a syndrome where they had way too many guys. And so, you know, it's gotten D'Anthony Melton minutes, which has been great. But yeah, Grayson Allen is just a phenomenal shooter for this team. And when if this team gets fully healthy, which I'm gonna say if not win now, 
I think they're in a really good spot. But again, it's a question of if, not when. Yeah, and the DiVincenzo thing is huge, too. I mean, DiVincenzo is another big offensive guy that, that would help them, and defensive. I mean, he's he's like a jack of all trades, I think, and that's why – I mean, it's, it's really surprising that they won the finals without him because they were so overextended last year, like, wing-wise – I mean, Pat Connaughton, like, had to do what he did or they were not going to win. So, shout out to Pat Connaughton for coming through because, like, he was kind of their last hope because, I mean, you can have three great players, but you have to have those other guys chip in, you know. You have to have the Bobby Portis games. You have to have the Brooke Lopez games and the Pat Connaughton games. And, you know, those guys all came through with DiVincenzo out. So, I think him coming back is going to help. Um I mean, obviously, Middleton is – he's going to fix a lot of these offensive problems just to himself. So, that's not that big of a deal um, longer term. But, I mean, I – you know, I like their depth right now. I mean, Jordan Nora is a guy that has intrigued me this year. I feel like when they're completely healthy, he'll probably lose most of his minutes. I guess we'll see. But – He's like he's hit or miss, but there's some games where he's really, really good as a shot maker, um, which I think that's something they could really use off that bench. And I think that's kind of why they brought Rodney Hood in. And he hasn't really done that. He hasn't really gotten many opportunities this year. Maybe he will later on. I don't know. Um, Semi Ojale has shockingly not had much of an impact. <laughs> I don't think that's a huge <laughs> deal. You know, I. And it, he is what he is. Like, I, I don't know. I, I think a lot of Celtics fans talk themselves into him and he's, he is what he is. So, you know, I, I like the I'll say that I like the He like, it shouldn't be a shocker that it seems like that family has some pretty good genes. He's an athlete, man. Like he is really fast and he's also big. Like he's when he cuts, man, he cuts hard and quick. And he's a pretty good finisher. Like, he's mostly like an around-the-rim guy. Uh, I guess that shouldn't be too surprising. But, I mean, he's he's like a nice a nice piece. And, you know, again, as they get healthy, he may fade out. But, I mean, they've got to, re- they've got to replace P.J. Tucker. Like, that's, that's kind of one spot that is still a little bit of a worry um, for them. So, I don't know. It's It's – Again, it's early in the season. Who cares? I, I think they're better than last year. Like I, I don't, I don't really have any problems saying that. Because again, when DiVincenzo comes back, that makes a huge difference on both sides of the ball. Uh, getting Grayson Allen was great, so I, I think they're, I think they're in a pretty good spot long term. I will say, their front court depth concerns me greatly <laughs> because after Giannis and Lopez and Bobby Portis. I don't trust any of their other four or fives on this roster. I don't really trust the Nasses. Like he's too small. Like the Nasses is only six, six. <laughs> he's not as big as his brother. His brother is a giant, right? I'm going to look up how tall Costas is. Costas is six ten, And then so this is the Nasses we're talking about. And then his brother, Alex is six, eight, who is, and he's definitely not as like solid as the Nasses and Giannis are. So, I mean, he's a really good hustle player and he's like a good, like 15 minutes a 
game off the bench guy, but he's not, he's not PJ Tucker. First and foremost, he's not PJ Tucker. And PJ Tucker is like, wasn't good on offense <laughs> for the majority of the playoffs. So they just need someone who can kind of replicate his defense and they don't have that. And that's the problem. I would say they should try to get Thad, but that seems unrealistic. I don't know who they're going to try to get. Um, PJ Tucker was such a great move at the deadline last year. Like one of the best, I would say, because I mean, if a move helps you win a championship, it's one of the best. So by default, I just, I don't think they have anyone to guard Kevin Durant. And I don't think they have anyone who can bang. Like they have Lopez who's good. Like, and I don't know, we haven't seen him guard and beat in the playoffs. So I'll be curious to see that, but it's too early to say, um, Nora is really interesting to me. Any six, eight guy who can make threes is going to play for somebody. <laughs> That's as a general rule of thumb. If you can move your feet on defense and make threes and you're six, eight, you got a lot of things that a coach likes. So I'm guessing bud and bud loves guys who move their feet and make threes. So he will stay in the rotation. Allen will stay in the rotation. I, I just think that this team, I still would have them as title favorites. But I need to see more. I'd like lucky for them. There's not a whole lot of front court deep teams in the league right now. The Lakers are really struggling in the front court. Although Melo, actually, you could disagree there, but the Lakers aren't great in the front court. The Jazz really aren't that great in the front front court. Um, the Clippers, the Nets, the Heat are, but then again, they have BJ Tucker. So who can who can really say? But Anything else to add about the Bucks, Dylan? Because I don't really feel like there's much to talk about with them either. <laughs> no, sadly. Again, like, when they're healthy, a lot of this stuff goes away. I do think they need to get a four, um, but we'll see who that becomes. There will be someone that pops up, but it'll take time to figure that out. Here, here's my last question for you, Dylan. You are on the buyout market, okay? You are an acclaimed NBA small forward slash power forward. You're you're Nick Batum, okay? And Nick Batum's not getting <laughs> bought out, but for the purposes of this exercise, you're Nick Batum. Where are you going, Dylan Hughes? Just based on basketball fit, life fit, whatever. Are you going to the Lakers? Are you going to the Bucks? Or are you going to the Heat? Well, throwing the Lakers in there is just hilarious that you would put me in that situation, but I guess this is, I guess I'm supposed to be Nick Batum and not Dylan Hughes, but, uh, man, it seems like a lot of these guys would pick either LA or Miami for the lifestyle side of it. But from a basketball, it's gotta be, it's gotta be Milwaukee. I mean, just get a winter coat, man. Just get a winter coat. You're going to be fine. You'll be traveling a lot. Maybe you'll be in some warm cities. You're going to win a, you're going to win a championship or you're going to get a good chance. Okay. Like we don't need to, let's not act like the Lakers actually have a chance. Okay. Let's not act like the heat have a chance. They're both cute stories, but we pretty much know the teams that are going to come down to it. And Milwaukee's a part of that. And the other two at this point, I would say or not. And that's fair. I mean, and plus the Bucks have gotten their fair share of buyout guys before. I mean, Marvin Williams um, went, was probably the best, one of the best buyout guys in recent memory went to the Bucks, and he played great in Milwaukee. And so I think it all just depends on, you know, 
what you prioritize, you know, NBA players. I mean, Gorgie Jang went to the Spurs last year of all teams. So, you know, like the Wesley Matthews went to the Pacers one year. It It's not, it doesn't make sense, right? That's all I'll say. So, and with that, I think it's time to move on to a team that might have a couple buyout guys. We will see the Oklahoma City Thunder. Um, they are three and six, good for 11th in the Western Conference. We only had two games of theirs this week, but they were both wins. They beat the, the Los Angeles Lakers, who you just took a massive shit on, 107-104, and then they beat the Spurs, 99-94. Um, Dylan, just what are your overall impressions of this Thunder roster? I have a lot more fun watching them this year than I did last year, and I think Shea is a big part of that. You know, the second half of the season, he, he uh, you know, they, they mutually decided that he was going to miss the rest of the season. Um, but it's a, it's just a fun team, man. Like I I'm trying to remember who it was last. Who was our bad team last week? Was it the Spurs? Our, our bad team last week was the Kings. Oh, okay. So I, I think I, it was either. No, I think it was the Spurs. I was thinking of, uh, Yeah, you were thinking of the Spurs. Probably we've only done the Kings and the Spurs on the bad wheel. Yeah. So I think I said that with this, with the Spurs that there's like never a player on the floor that I don't like. And it's the same thing with this Thunder team. Like there's just always good guys playing and they may not like be good enough to win games, but they're all interesting. And I mean, let's just start off with Shea. I think we have to. Okay. And there was no better way to kind of show where he's at right now than the end of the Lakers game. This was literally a jaw-dropping moment for me, okay? And I'm sure a lot of other people. So I want to say the Thunder were up three with maybe a minute to go. It may have been less than a minute. And the Thunder, like, they had to get a bucket, right? Because they're up three. There's still plenty of time for the Lakers to score. Shea pulls up. From the Lakers logo, I don't know, maybe seven to ten feet behind the three-point line, and just fucking sinks it. It was literally shocking that of all players in the NBA to pull up from the logo, it's Shea Gilgis Alexander. And he looked like he just expected to go in. I literally had my jaw on the floor for like two or three minutes because it was like, holy shit. This guy literally just pulled up from the Lakers logo to seal the game. I mean, that's like, that's the start of like a hall of fame career. Like that's what the documentary they make about SGA in 20 or 30 years. Like that's going to be the moment where it's like, this is where it began. I mean, he is just unbelievable right now. Like his, his shot looks way better. His he's creating space way better than he ever has. He's like kind of figured the step back out where he's, you know, his shot is still pretty like it starts off low. So it's like, it's easy to block it, but he's kind of figured out a way to get space and he's making shots. And if you have to restart, if the defense has to start respecting his three, he's going to eat teams alive. Like he did this Lakers team because he was four of seven from three in this game. I mean, he's been good at getting to the rim 
since Kentucky. Like he's just so long and kind of like he has weird movements with his body. So it's just really hard to defend him at the rim. When you add in the shot, I mean, he's going to be unstoppable. I mean, that shot that you were talking about, the logo shot, that was objectively a bad shot, right? Like, if he misses that, they're screwed because the Lakers are uh, probably getting it in transition, and Russ is a terror in transition. Say what you will about him. But he, he had the confidence to take that shot. Avery Bradley understandably was playing at the three point line. He it's not like he was giving him, it's not like he was at the free throw line. (laughs) He was giving him like a little bit of space, but not like too much, like maybe like what five feet of space, but it didn't matter. Cause Shea was, and I think Shea, we're going to see elevate himself into, if not the all-star conversation this year, then maybe the all NBA conversation. I don't, it's going to be tough. Guard is like, they need to add a fourth all NBA team at this point. Like it's super hard to do all NBA teams, but he is going to talk like if he keeps playing this way all year, he's going to talk, play himself into the all NBA conversation because he's just been ridiculously good so far. Like the numbers aren't, you know, hopping off the page, right? Like I think he's only at 22, only at 22 points a game, but on this thunder team, they're not playing super fast, right? Like you would think they would play faster. Like they're at 13th in pace right now on cleaning the glass. Like you would think a young team would want to be playing faster, but Again, they're only 13th, and the next closest guy to him on the team in scoring is Dort, and he's at 12.5. So, I mean, Shea is just a great player. And I'm, you know, I was going to say, like, coming into this week, I would have said, you know, you need to free SGA. But I think he's going to be fine there. Like, if you just let him some time to grow, he might eventually get good enough to the point where tanking is impossible for them, and they have to actually start adding good players. But even then, you have some, like, guys on this team with the outlines of being good players, right? Poku, honestly, he's not, like, shooting well. He looks really good in the two games that we watched from them this week. Like, I thought, you know, he's moving really well. He's, like, he's not, again, he's not shooting well, but he's, like, playing hard. He's running after the loose balls. He's making good passes, which is what you want to see from a young player. He's making the right defensive rotations. I love Josh Giddy. <laughs> this dude is a basketball player. Like 10 points a game, six rebounds, six assists, 1.4 steals a game, 0.7 blocks. He's not shooting well at all. He's only 40%, 26, and then 61 shooting splits. But that dude just plays basketball the right way. Like he's such a great passer. And he made like a killer alley oop pass in like the last, or was it alley oop? He was, he set up a dunk in the last like minute of that Spurs game from Sunday night. And he, he's just a killer out there. Like he plays basketball the right way. Obviously watching Dort on defense is so much fun. <laughs> like he's such a dogged defender and the three point percentage is back down to earth this year, but I'm guessing he'll bounce back to like the 30% range. He's too good of a shooter not to at this point, considering he's shooting 89% from the foul line. But, and Baisley is showing flashes. Kenrich Williams is probably a candidate to be on another team at the trade deadline. I like the minutes favors is giving them. Jeremiah Robinson Earl. I was a big fan of this guy at Villanova. I really like the way he played. And he is looking really good so far. He's making 45% of his threes for a center. <laughs> he, gets the, he gets after the glass. He just knows where to be. 
And I think having a lot of guys like that can help offset, you know, some of your other concerns. I'm just, Dylan, I'm just really excited to see how this team grows through the season. And I don't think they're going to be pushed over like they were last year. I don't think they're going to tank, you know, and go on like a, like a process esque tank job this year. I think they'll go like 25 and 57, which is honestly 10 more wins than it would have given them three weeks ago. Yeah, I mean, there's just – I think there's too much talent here for them to lose. I mean, they're going to lose a lot of games, but probably not as – they're not going to lose as much as last year, I don't think. I mean, there's – like you know, like you said, there's just too much talent here. And, I mean, I'll go off of kind of what you're saying, some of the guys you're talking about. So, I will start off with Poku. I feel like I had an opposite reaction from this week. And I will, I'll start this off by saying that he's not even 20 years old yet. So we may have to wait until 2024 to see some of this start blossoming. There's just the two games I watched. I, th- is there anything he does above average? That's what I want to ask right now. I wouldn't say so. But showing anything like at an average level for him, based on where he was last year, like at the beginning of last year, is a massive step forward for him. So baby steps with Poku at this point. Like (laughs) I'll admit, like I'm a huge Poku fan. So I love the way he plays, but I think that it's, that's a fair question. He doesn't really do anything above average, but you see like the skills that he has. And I think that there's something there for sure. Yeah. I mean, I think you have to have a, you have to set a low bar for him right now. Cause again, he's very, very young. And his body is going to develop. I mean, he's, I don't know if it was you I talked to this about or someone else, but I think just from watching sports for basically my whole life, I've kind of realized that most athletes don't really reach their not body peak, but like they don't really become what their body, they don't get their body to a very developed point until they're like 23. That's just kind of what I've noticed. And I'm sure it's different for different people, but I mean, that, that gives him three years to start adding some weight because I mean, that dude is 10 feet tall and 110 pounds. Like he is very skinny. And I mean, I think, I think his size and structure is almost a benefit to him because it allows him to move so easily. Like one of the upsides to him is that he's really tall, but he can handle the ball like a guard. And that's what's really intriguing about him is that he's a guy that can, that's big and he can move. And usually big guys that can move and dribble are pretty good basketball players. I mean, we just spent some time talking about Kevin Durant and Giannis. I mean, he's, he's not going to become those guys, but you know, that's kind of the mold that he's in right now with at least his body and his kind of his skill set. But yeah, I just, I watch him and for this team, it doesn't matter what he does. They just want to see him develop, but I, I think most other teams he would probably be sitting on the bench because <laughs> he doesn't add a ton of positive impact at this moment. But again, he's very young, so it doesn't matter. Josh Giddy, I think he's Luca without the shot creation, like for himself. He's not a very good shot creator. And again, he's a rookie who cares. He's not very good at getting his own shot. I mean, I think he's probably going to shoot below 40% this year. Cause he's just, he's, he doesn't have the Lucas skill set of like the step back and he doesn't have the same body. Like Luca came into the league as a pretty polished scorer. 
But as a passer, I mean, I think I think Giddy's right up there with some of the best players in the league, honestly. Like, I think his passing vision is unbelievable. Some of the passes he makes are amazing. And having him out there with some of those uh, players you mentioned, like Jordan Baisley, is, is really great. Um, I think he's going to grow into a really good player, especially on offense. He's had some good defensive moments, too, which is promising. I mean, anytime a rookie guard – can like make a few big defensive stops. I mean, that's, that's great to see. And who knows if that'll hold up, but uh, that was nice to see this week. Lou Dort, probably the worst volume shooter of all time. <laughs> I mean, he just jacks them up, man. It doesn't matter. It does not like the Lakers game. He was three of 11. He just kept throwing them up there uh, and they're wide open. So you might as well, I guess the hope for him is that he becomes Marcus smart and it just kind of, the volume works into just more makes over time. But obviously, Dort is more of a defender anyway. So anything he can add on offense. Um, I mean, he's a, he's a good offensive player. I think he just shoots a little bit too much, but it is what it is. And my last take is Baisley, okay? Baisley is just a guy I love. I, I liked what I saw from him last year. And... I think he's going to become a 20-point scorer one day. Like, I, I don't really have any hold back on that at all. I just – he is so quick. He's got a he's got a decent bag already of, like, isolation moves. He's got a good handle. He's a good shooter. And did you see the dunk he threw down in the Spurs game? I think I might have missed it. I'll probably only find it on. Please look it up, okay? This was another jaw-dropping moment. The ball was, it had to be over a foot above the rim. He just grabbed it with ease and threw it down. It's like his, his, his hops are unbelievable. I mean, this dunk, it was probably my favorite. Well, I don't know about favorite. The Gary Payton dunk was really good. Uh, but it, it was one of my favorite dunks of the year. I mean, it was just so effortless. And I just think, okay, as a player, I don't think he reminds me of Brandon Ingram, but I was thinking about this. I think he's going to have a similar career trajectory as Ingram has, where the first few years, like, he wasn't maybe playing in the right scheme and, like, he wasn't getting the ball enough. So he was fine, but not what you want him to be. And then there's going to be a team. Maybe it's the Thunder. Maybe it's another team. It's like we we want to give this guy the ball way more because I think we think he can be a great, you know, lead creator for our team. And I think Baisley is going to have that at some point. I hope it's the Thunder because I like him on this team and I like this team with him. Uh, but there's a lot of mouths to feed right now. And Baisley kind of, I mean, like this Lakers game, you know, 14 points, like he's kind of been a 14 point scorer for the past couple of years. And it's like, I think he, he just has so much more in the tank than that. So I think he's probably my second favorite prospect on this team behind SGA. I mean, he is just so talented on offense and he's so fun to watch. So he's, he's a guy that I'm really looking forward to watching uh, over the next couple of years. Cause like, I think by like 2023, 2024, he's going to be someone that like, if we're still doing the top 100, then like he's going to be top 30, top 40 type of player. Mm. So I will say I am not as high on him as you are, but I see everything you're saying. He's definitely an electric prospect. 
And I think that he's raw is the problem. And there's really no better place to work out your rawness right now, other than maybe Houston (laughs) than Oklahoma city. So I think that he's in a good spot in that regard. My, my one, I don't really even think I have a concern with him. I'm just really curious to see how he grows as the time goes on, because there's not really a whole lot of room. Like SGA is going to get the majority of the shots on this team. Like he's deserves it. You know, he's going like, he's all-star level talent. I think he should probably basically should probably be taking the second most shots. And let's, let's, I'll pull up their uh, stat page. Cause I saw the dunk. It was really nice dunk. I will say um, Baisley right now is taking 10.4 field goals a game tied with Giddy. They're both taking 10.4 and he should probably be taking more than Giddy because you're right. Giddy cannot create shots for himself. I have another comparison for Giddy, but I'll wait for that for a second. Um, and it, Baisley is rebounding really well. I'll say he's doing a good job of that. He's getting a steal a game. I like when young teams get steals, like it shows that they're playing hard in the passing lane. And I, one thing I really like about this thunder team, they're not the best on defense. Like they, you know, they blow a lot of coverages. Like we watched them against the jazz earlier in the year. And I don't know if you watched that game. I watched that game, but they blow a lot of coverages, you know, just a lot of wide open shooters against the jazz, but it's the jazz. They're a well-oiled machine. But for the most part, they try hard and they don't give up and they fight, fight, fight till the end, which is why the Lakers blew the lead against them. The Lakers have blown two leads to the Thunder this year, two like 20 point leads. And then the Spurs, their other win, the Spurs blew the lead to them as well. So you can't quit against the Thunder. That's one thing I really like about them and how I like, I don't know how to pronounce his name. I think it's Daniel. I'm not sure, but I really like how he's been coaching this team. They play really hard. And so, and they try on defense, which is a lot more than a lot of young teams can say. Like he's trying to instill good habits into them. It sucks because yeah, you're going to lose a lot of games and you might fall out of those habits, but they're, they're playing hard on defense. Here's my comparison for Gideon. I think you'll like this. He's a, he's Kyle Anderson without the (laughs) slow-mo. I think that he does everything really well, except create shots for himself. (laughs) But like everything else you want on a basketball court, he can do. And that is that if that's not the definition of slow-mo's career, I don't know what is. But Giddy just like some of the passes he makes, like some of the, the way he jumps, like you're not supposed to jump past, but some of the ways he contorts his body just to get a pass off. Like there's a chance he averages 10 assists a game next year. Hell, he might get up to eight by the end of this year. He's such a good fucking passer. And I think SGA is going to really benefit from playing next to him. Yeah, I've always kind of thought SGA would be better next to another point guard, kind of like in the um, in the Drew Holiday mold, where when he was playing with Rondo, he was just a completely different player on offense. And I've kind of felt the same way with SGA because we saw how he played with Chris Paul. I mean, it was, you know, SGA has been good his whole career really to this point, but something playing with Chris Paul really helped him. And that was kind of a, when they got Chris Paul, there was a lot of people doubting that fit, but they surprised a lot of people that season. They were – what seed did they end up? Were they the fourth seed that year? They were the fifth seed, I think, because I think Houston was the fourth seed. One of them was five. One of them was four. Yeah, so – and they, they – did they win that series? No, they got – they pushed it to game seven, and they lost by two against yeah. that super small ball team. That's right, yeah. So, I mean – all things considered, that's a great season for that team. 
So considering they, you know, got rid of Paul George and uh, Russell Westbrook. So, I mean, it's, I think, I think getting, uh, you know, playing alongside a guard like that is going to help him for sure. And yeah, like Giddy again, I think he's, he's already in the upper echelon as a passer. Like some of the passes he makes, like, you know, a great passer when you see one, when you watch basketball long enough, I mean, as soon as Trey Young stepped into the league, it's like this dude's going to be one of the best passers. Like, there's just some guys you you see it, and Giddy he has it. There's just you can't teach vision. That's the thing, you cannot teach vision, and he's got the vision. So I'm really excited to watch him, and it would definitely be great if he could get his shot creation up. Uh, but again, very young, he'll work through it, I'm sure. So. I did want to talk about um, Kenrich Williams, too, because he reminds me of Norm Powell, man, where he just puts his head down and gets to the rim. Like, that's what I love about Norm Powell is that dude just gets to the rim every time. Kenrich Williams, like, he's not necessarily a super big guy. He just gets to the rim. Like, he... He'll put his head down, and if he's got to run into you, that's fine. If he's got to finesse a little bit, he'll do that. And, I mean, he's a good defender. Like, he's just an all-around solid player. And I think, yeah, you mentioned he he could move on to a better team, and I definitely think that is going to happen. I don't know what team. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be the Bucks. I don't know if he's necessarily the guy they need to fill that uh, forward spot, but – Someone that needs a guy that can get to the rim and play some good defense, like he's definitely one of the top targets, especially because he's cheap as hell. Yeah, and I mean he's a good shooter too. So like even if you just have him, like he can do more. Well, like you said, but even if you just have him in a three and D role, he'll be fine. Like I think the Bulls should try to get him. I think the Kings should probably try to get him. I think there's a lot of teams that could use a Ford. The Lakers should try to get him, although. I don't know what the Lakers, what are they going to say? Here's Malik Monk. <laughs> like, I don't think the, the Thunder want Malik Monk, but you just have so many options to get, especially since he's on such a cheap salary. You combine him with Derek Favors and the sky's the limit, really. Um, I really want to see him on a contender. I think maybe Mike Muscala might be able to help a contender. I don't know if he wants to leave Oklahoma City because he's willingly stayed there. But he's played he played really well against San Antonio yesterday. He's a good floor spacer. Um I don't know, like I think stretch fives are kind of going out of style, but maybe he could help a contender too. I'm not sure. Um Maladon's taking a huge step back. Another guy. I think last guy I really don't want to spend too long on him, who I've been impressed by though. I really like what I've seen from Ty Jerome. I think that dude can play, and he's not shooting well, but I think he could help a contender. Like, I think that, you you know, I have a thing for Virginia guys. <laughs> Ty Jerome, famously, very much a Virginia guy. So I think he could help. I just think that there's somewhere he could help as a backup point guard. I don't think there's a whole lot of team with, teams with glaring point guard holes right now, but he could definitely help someone. Um, any other stray thunder thoughts before we close the episode? Because I think we're done. <laughs> um, no. I mean, I did want to – I mean – yeah, the Muscala game was fun against the Spurs. Like, he had a stretch in the second half, and maybe in the fourth quarter, where he was going off. And it it kind of reminded me of the Dwayne Dedman game. Did the, the Miami played Atlanta in the playoffs last year, right? They did not. 
Um, who, who did they play in the first round? Miami played the Bucks. Okay. It, it probably was in that se- that series where Dwayne Dedman was like the only good player on the Heat, and he went off for like 18 points or something like that. And that Mike Muscala game, because he had 20, like he, it reminded me of that where it's like Mike Muscala of all players is saving the Thunder right now. Um, but yeah, I thought the same thing about Ty Jerome. I mean, he was massive in that Lakers game down the stretch. He had a bunch of big threes. And I remember when Virginia made that run with Ty Jerome, he, I was like, this is, this is this year's Dante DiVincenzo. Cause DiVincenzo with Villanova made it, you know, Villanova made that run in the tournament and DiVincenzo was awesome. And the tournament alone pretty much like guaranteed him as a first round pick. Like before the, before the tournament started, it's like, Oh, Dante DiVincenzo, like whatever, you know, he'll probably be uh, like an early second round pick or whatever, but his draft stock exploded. And I think the same thing happened with Ty Jerome where he was just killing people in that tournament. And, you know, they're both kind of similar players where I think they're like low ceiling, high floor guys that it's like, you plug them on any team, they're going to find a role. They're going to play some defense and shoot threes and make some good passes. And, and man, that's a lot, a lot of teams would love a guy like that. So yeah, I think Ty Jerome is definitely an interesting guy to watch uh, trade wise. Um, I was kind of hoping Trey Mann would get some minutes, but I mean, they've got so many young mouths to feed right now. They've, they've got a lot of baby birds, you know, is kind of how I'm looking at the thunder right now. So I guess the, the newborn chick, he'll, he'll get his food eventually. Um, but for now, he's just going to have to watch. Not enough Teo Maladon to my liking either. I really liked him last year. I don't think he played enough. Um, Ty Jerome, I did not realize Ty Jerome was a first-round pick in 2019. That I did not remember. And then also last year, it was only he didn't play half the season. He only played half the season last year. But 11 points a game on... 44% from the field, 42% from three. So pretty good. 3.6 assists a game. And Virginia guys always know how to defend. So who who can really say, you know, there's always someone who needs a backup point guard at some time of the season. So we'll see. But I think that's everything we have for this week. This is, I'd say, easily our shortest team episode we've ever done <laughs> by far. I don't think it's even close. I think right now we're at like an hour 10, hour 15. Um Time for shameless plugs, um, Dylan. What do we got? When is uh when do we got Dam coming out? Because that's the last Kendrick Lamar album we got. Yes, we're recording tomorrow night. Interesting. That's that'll be fun. So make sure you check that out. We got and you got the special guest. I don't remember her name. Apologies to her, but got one of uh, Will's friends coming on. I know that. So make sure you check that out. Um, no pressure. Finding happiness in a fear-driven world. Make sure you buy that book. I have it. $10. I am going to read it. I actually got some free time this week now that we moved up the power hour recording. So that will be will be fun to get into this, dive into this week. A crisp, was it 87 pages? Yeah, something like that. So, I mean, I don't got any threats for you this week. I'm feeling very nonviolent today. <laughs> I'm just, you know, I just buy his book, please. Come on. It's not, I'm not asking you that much. So do you have any threats for the people, Dylan, for if they don't buy your book? I do not. I, I think this is more of a positive promotion week. I mean, 
listen, okay. So I, I, I uh, was DMing this girl I went to high school with earlier and she got my book and she said she thoroughly enjoyed it. Okay. And I think she also threw in everyone should read this. And I, I have the receipts. Okay. This is not being pulled out of my ass. I have the receipts. So if you want to come at me, I have the receipts. This is a, a formal recommendation from this girl that she definitely did not approve of being aired, but Hey, you know, that that's the business. So, I mean, what else can you ask for? I mean, a girl I went to high school with approval, like that's all the, that's all the, uh, what's the word? Just whatever. And that, that's all you. You didn't say her name and what are the odds she listens to a power hour? So, you know, I think you're, I think you're all set, set there, buddy. I'm safe. Yeah. <laughs> you're safe. Um, Circle City Cinema will be back this week. Zach Griffith and I will be breaking down Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. So make sure you check that out. That'll be a fun time. Lynn Sanity, I heard uh, Devin Voss will be on this week. And you might be making someone on this podcast might be making a surprise cameo trying to fire a coach. You, you never know. He might coach in uh, in California. That's all I'll say. So make sure you check that out because I... Dylan knows I'm very judicious with my football takes. When I have them, I stand strongly by them. So you're going you're gonna to want to hear that. I, I gave away the surprise because it's me. <laughs> but I doubt Devin or Bryce will listen to this. So <laughs> we'll see. Um, we'll see. But yeah, Dylan, this was a great episode. I think next week, next week will be more fun. <laughs> Because we'll have more fun teams. In case you need a reminder, our teams for next week are the Raptors, the Nets, and the Hornets, who are in a bit of a tailspin, but we'll see. Hopefully they bounce back for us this week and start playing some defense. You know it's bad when you lose to the Lakers at this point. That's all, that's all I'll say. But <laughs> um, Any parting words of wisdom, Dylan? I don't know why I asked you for this. I feel like any any tree talk you want to get off before we leave. Oh man. Well, listen, Hey, this is a, uh, I made a TikTok about this yesterday. Cause I, I like to go walking in nature at least a couple times a week. And Hey, is it, is a fan and a lover of trees? This is a great time of year. Okay. This is fall. I mean, they, they're the stars right now. You know, I, uh, I went golfing earlier and got a great, some great pictures of the, the fall leaves in the background. And listen, man, it's just uh, appreciate your local trees. Okay. They, they make it so this earth doesn't burn up by soaking up all the excess carbon and Hey, they look nice along the way. So if you don't have to hug it, but just send some positive energy to, to your local trees. Cause they're, they're doing a lot for you. They're doing a lot for you. Dylan Hughes. Once again, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you.